Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the injured man, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, when the Samaritan saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then the Samaritan put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the showed him mercy? Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Your favorite story in all of Scripture is, some people are going to say this story. And if you ask them what their favorite parable is, many will say, this parable and thinking about it, it's guided our faith uh, our, ever since we've had faith. As soon as we heard this story, we were given, reduces us to our neighbors, to our family, uh, to the better and worst part of ourselves in this story. The lawyer gets things rolling by asking a good question. What must I do, O oh master, great teacher? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, as a good teacher might, what does the law say? What's your read on this? Well, you know, the the holiness code says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says, good answer. Do that and you will live. But when that lawyer asks, well, who is my neighbor? We can presume what that lawyer is asking is Jesus. Let's be real here. Where do I draw the line? Where do I draw the line? Because not 
Not everybody's my neighbor. Come on. Well, he's wrong, of course. And that's the point of the story. Jesus has in mind a neighborhood bigger than anything uses us have others in the story. There are robbers. There are a victim. Uh, there are a Levite and a priest, uh, an innkeeper, a donkey or some other beast of burden, I presume a donkey, and a Samaritan. We're introduced to a lot of other people that we don't know. All of these people have families. All of these people have a community, of course. We don't really see them on the page, but we do see these main players. 2,500 feet from above sea level to well below sea level, a dangerous road, a road that will now as a pilgrimage place. You can go pay people to lead you down this road, and you can think about this was dangerous. I'm not sure it is now, but it certainly was then. When the Levite and the priests, they see this man, they walk by on the other side, and we, we can presume, we can think the best of them and say, well, the reason they did that, the reason these religious people who loved God walked by on the other side was because, well, they can't come into contact with a dead body. Only their most immediate family can they tend to dead bodies. So it's against the law for them to stop, right? We can, we can say that. It was. We can also say, well, what good would it do to stop? This guy is dead, right? You know, what? let the dead bury their own dead. Didn't somebody famous say that once before? Let the dead bury their own dead. So these people pass by. The Samaritan, though, these Samaritans and Jews are cousins with one another. They're, they're all Jews. The, the Jews think less of the Samaritans and vice versa. But this Samaritan is bound by that same law that he should not come into contact with a dead person unless it's an immediate member of his family. But what does he do? He stops and he takes the time. He reaches out. He offers help in this desperate situation. And of course, that's Jesus' point. We often don't stop because we don't take the time. We're busy. Studies have been done to say that people who are less busy, who are less rushed, actually do more good in the world because they stop to take the time to do it. The Samaritan stops to take the time. The lawyer is asking um, this question, um, who's my neighbor? And Jesus asked him this question, well, who is the one who was neighborly? And the lawyer says the one who showed mercy. Notice the lawyer doesn't say the Samaritan. The lawyer's not going to say that. This Jewish lawyer this, this Jewish audience to whom Jesus is telling this story, nobody's going to say the, the S word out loud. Nobody's going to say the Samaritan is the hero of this story. The Samaritan is the one who done good. Jesus says, of course, well then, just be a neighbor like that, go and do likewise. Anybody could be our neighbor and everybody should be our neighbor, right? That's Jesus' point. You can hear the lawyer chafing, though. Samaritans? Even Samaritans? <laughs> neighbors don't create love, but love creates neighbors. Neighbors don't create love, but love always creates neighbors. And Jesus is interested. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. neighbor. 
And who is my neighbor? Everybody. Jesus could have said that. But instead, he said, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he came upon robbers and was left half dead. Everybody's our neighbor. The Samaritan reached out. The Samaritan slowed down. The Samaritan risked. The Samaritan cared. Of course, the question is, when's the last time you've done this, right? When's the last time I've done this, right? The Samaritan listened. The Samaritan helped. The Samaritan healed. The Samaritan loved. And Jesus calls us all to go and do likewise. One of the things I've always been curious about in this text, and as I've studied it with groups of people, I've, I've asked, who is the Samaritan for you? It's hard to put yourself in a first century Jewish person's shoes and, and know the vitriol that exists between Samaritans and Jews. That's a hard place to be. I don't know what that's like. So who is the Samaritan for you? Um, who is the person with whom I am most at odds? Who is the person that would surprise me most to be the, the hero in this story? Who would I like least to be the hero of this story? So who is that person? Who is that group for you? Clarence Jordan wrote the Cotton Patch Gospel in the 50s and 60s, and in it, you know, the gospel is all set in the, in the South in the 1960s. Uh, and as he tells the story, well, there is no Jerusalem, but there is an Atlanta. Atlanta. And this man is making his way from Atlanta down to Albany. And he comes into the hands of gangsters who rob him and leave him on the side of the road um, half dead. Uh, the, the victim is a white man on the side of the road. Um, passes by on the other side. A white preacher passes by on the other side. But a black guy stops and helps the white guy uh, and binds his wounds. So for Clarence Jordan, what he did, how he got the church so angry in the 1960s, the southern church especially, was he, he made uh, black and white and talked about it in Scripture on, on the page. And uh, people were livid to think uh, such was, was the case, that, that um, we can hate other people just because of the color of their skin. Some years ago, Sabrina Hu and Liz Pippin and I took some of our senior high youth on a go-and-serve mission trip, an urban um, um, immersion in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, we worked at the food bank. We worked at a second-hand store. We uh, served a meal at the stew pot ministry and sat with people without an address and ate with them and shared with them, listened to their stories, and were, were cared for by them amazingly, amazingly. We toured the Heifer Project uh, International Headquarters in Little Rock. We went into the Clinton Presidential Library there and learned a lot about uh, whatever the exhibit was. There was an exhibit about rock and roll, which was a lot of fun. Um, but we grew a lot, and we served a lot, and we learned a lot in Little Rock together. On one of the free afternoons, we went to Central High School in Little Rock, and we learned about the civil rights story that played out there. As you remember, the U.S. Supreme Court in Brown versus Board of Education said in 1964 it was illegal to have segregated schools. So in 1957, nine people 
uh, nine young people, teenagers and their families, tried to enroll these young people into school to attend Central High School in Little Rock. They became known as the Little Rock Nine. They were African-American uh, boys and girls, young men and young women. The President of the United States, who had later joined for those nine children to be able to enroll at Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. However, the governor of uh, Arkansas, Orville Faubus, who had Presbyterian elders serving on his uh, cabinet and in every position of power, Rachel and I served with ministers whose churches became in empty when Faubus was elected governor because all their elders went to Little Rock to serve with him. Faubus said it was not right or legal and insisted that those nine children not be allowed to enroll in and attend school at Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Before our kids took the tour, we were seeing some of the wider campus, and I, I, I talked to the kids. Now, all of our kids on this trip happened to be from the Congo. Their skin was all darker than mine, but they didn't know our, our racial history in this country. So when I told them how important this place was in our uh, desegregation battle in this country, <laughs> they thought I was joking when I told them these nine kids couldn't go to this school because of the color of their skin. Pastor Matt, tell me really why they couldn't go. And I said, it's because of the color of their skin. And they said, no, no, no. What's the real reason? They didn't believe me. They didn't believe such a thing could be possible. These children our children from the Congo. There was a day when black people, certainly in the South, would say that the Samaritan was a white man or a white woman. And there were people in the South, white people, who said the Samaritan in this story was a black man. Amen? I pray they're over, but I'm not so sure. So we have to keep kind of working on that, right? Who is the Samaritan for you? The trans person. The middle-aged white preacher. The Republican we could never expect something good to come from a Republican. The Democrat. Who is the Samaritan for you? The hippie, the skinhead, the biker, the banker, the farm family, the city dweller, the Ukrainian, the Russian. Who's the Samaritan for you? Whoever the Samaritan is for you, find a way to meet and get to know him. Step beyond the boundaries that keep you apart. Get to know her story and find a way to do the most radical thing in the world with them. And that is find a way to love them. Whoever the Samaritan is for you, we are called to be neighbors.
Jesus wants us to be a good neighbor, and I think Jesus wants us to keep that Samaritan of long ago in mind. Be a neighbor like he was a neighbor. Do it like he did, with devotion, with courage, and with love. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.